2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Monday, October third, twenty twenty-two. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Soretta, and joining me on today's podcast for the first time is Slash Film News Writer Aaron Brady.
3: Thank you for having me on, Peter. I'm really stoked to be here.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm stoked to have you. We're going to try to expand the podcast to include a, a more of the voices that you 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 read every day on SlashFilm.com, film.com. And last week I was out and, uh, it turns out Aaron wrote e- almost every single article that I wanted to talk about today. <laughs> so, so it's good. To, but, um, since people have not heard of you here, I thought it would be good to, um, so let's, uh, let's set the ground by, uh, telling us uh, what, what kind of film geek you are. Like, what are your favorite movies?
3: I basically just like everything that is either full of like dread, horror, um, or excess. Like I would say, my if there are two films, I would say to define that define me and my tastes, they would be uh, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Moulin Rouge. <laughs> so, um, I hope that kind of gives an explanation for why I'm the person that I am.
2: Wow, those are t- two very different films. <laughs> okay, well, um, I also want to say uh, before we get started uh, that we're back. Uh, this last month, I I, I know I've, I've gotten your emails. This last month we've has been kind of hectic. Uh, ben has been on this international trip. He is back from his huge trip. Uh, Ryan was off a of Fantastic Fest last week. He is back. Uh, I had a couple things that I had to go to in Florida. Last week, I was at Epcot's 40th anniversary celebration i am back i survived the hurricane um yes uh and uh which by the way was crazy because when i was taking off to go to florida last week it was expected to veer left and not come anywhere close to orlando like we were expecting like maybe it was going to be rain for one day or something like that but yeah, so I, I was uh, – the, the, everything was closed for two days and we were stuck in a Walt Disney World hotel room for two days, which honestly isn't a bad place to be because Disney uh, has their own power grid. And um, the most interesting things to see is all these families, all these kids who kind of had their vacations, you know – you know c- come to a halt for 2 days and th- these cast members try to make the best out of it and make the magic and like you know uh, chippendale running around and playing with the kids and like the arcades you know it, it could have been a really crappy situation for these families who i mean it was a really crappy situation don't get me wrong
1: <laughs> right. it's
2: a really crappy situation for everybody infected by the by the hurricane probably much 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 crappier uh by those who had flooding uh those who whatever but uh from my point of view it was just um where i was it was it was, it was incredible to see um uh, the, these cast members kind of uh try to do something for these families who kind of like spent all this money to be there and
3: it's really commendable. I'm actually um it's funny that we were actually both affected by the hurricane because I'm just like an hour or so um east of Orlando, that's where I'm based. And we didn't get like a ton of flooding, but we got a ton of like wind and rain. And um yeah, we were just basically hunkered down in our apartment for um a couple days and I completely forgot how easy it is for me to go stir crazy Um, (laughs) because even just like two days hunkering down inside, I was just like, I felt like I was about to burst out of my own skin. And I was like, how did I survive uh, the first couple months of 2020? I don't know how I managed to do that. Um, But thankfully, we didn't lose any power. Um, Like most, we got, we had like a couple soffits, like, get blown off but other other than that we didn't sustain like too much damage or anything like that which i'm very thankful for uh we've been in her and we've been in storms where there was like a ton of flooding and um some damage but considering how intense the storm was i'm i'm thankful that um at least like where i'm from and my family we were all pretty okay but um like seeing those images coming out from the uh from the West, from West of us was pretty like jarring. So I yeah. just hope that every, everybody is okay. Is doing well? Um, I hope that everybody in those, in the affected communities are just coming together and helping each other out. Um, so yeah, I guess that's. Uh, so, so,
2: so you're not near the water, I assume.
3: Uh, we're, um, we're near the Atlantic. Okay. So um, yes, but also um, no for this particular <laughs> um, instance.
2: Yeah. I will put in the show notes, a link to, I think the Florida disaster fund. So if you, if you want to do, if anybody listening wants to donate and help out, um, you know, I'll put that there in case you want to. Um, but, uh, yeah, anyways, um, I didn't mean to go off on a tangent about the hurricane or whatever. Uh, uh, this was supposed to be a transition, now, now it sounds weird, uh, but it was supposed to be a transition of me being at Epcot and our first story, which is about Epcot mascot getting a movie starring Seth Rogen. Erin, can you tell us about it?
3: Right. So currently there is no um, director currently attached, but we do have a couple screenwriters that will be bringing Figment um, from Journey into Imagination with Figment to the big screen. Uh, they are Dan Hernandez and Benji Summit um and while those names might not immediately ring bell ring bells for you guys they are the they are the screenwriters behind Pokemon Detective Pikachu and so this is actually kind of an interesting decision because um what made Pokemon um Detective Pikachu so unique was that it took a character that everybody kind of knows and Um, maybe even loves to a certain extent. But the detective version of that character, it hasn't really been explored that much in the West. I think that um, he's just, um, that this specific version of the character is more um, like niche. And so when you're right, when you're making your first, the first like major live action (laughs) Pokemon film, I think that that was a really smart, uh, decision to go, kind of introduced the idea of real world Pokemon, but through the lens of a character that may not be as um, instantly recognizable. And so I think, well, I, at least I'm hoping that um, Hernandez and Sumit will um, do something similar with Figment because Figment is kind of a big deal around uh, Disney park circles He's got a very strong fan base um, and basically um, they're the ones that champion him the most. He's the, they're the reason why they've got like little popcorn buckets of him and plushies and all sorts of merchandise um, just because they love this little guy. And honestly, I understand why, because he is, um, of course, his name derives from the um, phrase figment of your imagination He's basically the mascot for why imagination is so important um, to cultivate and to have. And so um, because of um, just how much he means to people, I feel like it's going to be a bit of a challenge adapting him because even the smallest little mistake, I feel like, or veer from what people know and love might get a little bit of blowback but no pressure.
2: <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, it, it's interesting because I feel like the people listening to this podcast either fall into the camp of, they went to Walt Disney world when they were younger in the eighties or nineties and have uh, nostalgia and belovedness to figment, or it's you're listening to this and being like, who, what? I've never <laughs> heard of this purple dragon character and uh but you do say it like you know people that love him love him like they came out with that popcorn bucket that you mentioned and i think there was like six hour long lines to get this this figment uh you know it's a popcorn bucket in the shape of this purple dragon yeah and uh so and the the other thing the weird thing about him is Everybody kind of universally agrees that the, the current attraction that he's in in Epcot and uh, the Imagination Pavilion is not a is not good.
3: No, it's not. It's desperately <laughs> in need of some kind of upgrade because that the current version of the ride has been operating since I think two thousand two, and it's received like it's received some like touch ups and whatever like some little upgrades, but not necessarily any major revamps. And so, um, the problem is though, is that when, when there's like a little bit of chatter or rumors that, oh, they might have to, um, like do a revamp of the journey into imagination ride, like Figman's fans are like, nope, we are not allowing that. Um, (laughs) so it's a weird, um, it's a weird sort of situation, but, um, I think it also, um, I, th- I think it'll also be really good because there is a lot that you can do with the figment character, especially with the um, notion that he is the embodiment of the power of imagination. And so um, when you there's a lot so there I feel like there's a lot that you can do to apply him to an actual movie, but whether or not those will be successful will be um, I think would be a little bit more difficult to pull off just trying to please everybody.
2: Yeah. I also want to say uh Dan and Benji who are the screenwriters on this project. Uh they've been working with Disney for a while like kind of behind the scenes like kind of touching up things. So even though like you know they don't have that many uh feature credits, they've they've had their hands all over a bunch of stuff. I have heard well Do we know what role Seth Rogen's going to be playing in Figment?
3: Um, So his production banner, Point Grey, is going to be producing the movie. That's what we know so far. But I can actually kind of see him maybe playing a role. I don't necessarily think that he is a good fit for the role of, like, voicing Figment. But I wouldn't be surprised if he, like, shows up as um, an actual character in the movie.
2: Well, I think I, I think you are very wise. I think I, I had seen a couple people say that he was going to be voicing Figment. I do I do not see that at all. I had heard some rumblings, so uh, take what follows as rumor and not <laughs> a report thing. But I had heard this, uh, you know, weeks ago that the the pitch for this is it's Seth Rogen in his like you know forties and his childhood. Uh, uh, what do you call that? Like where your imaginary friend pops back into his life and it's figment. So that's so
3: basically Christopher Robin.
2: <laughs> I, I guess so.
3: I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that as like a dig to the story. I'm just saying that that's kind of, that's kind of the entire point of Christopher Robin.
2: Yeah. Um,
3: but like, it could be more comical in that sense. I feel like it, I feel like, um, I feel like Christopher Robin is a bit more, like, bittersweet um, in that sense. But with the people involved in this Figment movie, it could be a more lighthearted approach if that's um, what yeah, is have, happening.
2: And also the character's more fantastical. In, in the ride, he's taking you into, like, you know, his – his world which kind of turned upside down and it's all different colors and stuff so i i could definitely see like the psychedelicness of uh, a fun more fun it, not, 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 very unlike christopher robin uh movie uh but okay we, we should move on from epcot and figment and uh let's talk about uh colin trevaro uh he did an interview with empire recently strongly hinting that there's gonna be a lot more Jurassic World movies to come. I will read his quote that he gave to Empire. Uh, this movie clearly takes in a real interest in creating new characters that a new generation is going to latch on to. I never knew that this w- was the ending of the franchise until I saw the marketing. Those guys are brilliant at what they do. But for me, I think it might have been clearer if they had said the end of an era as opposed to all of it. Because regardless of the cynical approach, Of course, they're going to want to make more money, which is what Jurassic World was about. A new dinosaur fan is born every day. Um, And he goes on uh, later to say, I specifically did something different than the other films in order to change the DNA of the franchise, the previous five films and plots about dinosaurs. This one is a story about characters in a world where they coexist with dinosaurs, for the franchise to be able to move forward because it's inherently unfranchisable there, uh, there probably should have been only one Jurassic park, but <laughs> if we're going to do it, how can I allow them to tell stories in a world, which dinosaurs exist as opposed to, here's another reason to go back to the islands.
3: Okay. Um, <laughs> There's a lot to is,
2: unpack there, right?
3: Yeah. Um, well, he's right in one sense and, and that is the fact that Jurassic World is inherently unfranchisable, um, or however he said it, because I feel like this is kind of um, bold for him to say, considering Jurassic World Dominion wasn't exactly that popular among, um, (laughs) among like fans and critics. Of course, like it made money, of course that, but um, the overall fan reception to it was very mixed. And, um, I don't necess- I'm one of those people who um just only likes the first movie. um I know that that's not like a that that's not like a hot take or anything like that but um I feel like the more you i feel like Jurassic Park and Jurassic world and um to that extent is a concept that um you can't really stretch out all that much and now if as we saw in Jurassic World Dominion they're kind of just like uh, making up stuff um they're like pulling at the um, <laughs> pulling at strings almost in order to find something noteworthy to talk about because in all honesty Jurassic World Dominion wasn't really about the dinosaurs i mean they were there but um <laughs> Yeah, they weren't necessarily like the, What weren't the uh, major? Well, I think that's
2: what he's trying to say. He's trying to say he made it more about the characters, which is kind of funny because I didn't read his full quote, but then he went on the list, all the characters, and he just named the actors' names as if he couldn't even remember their characters' names. He was like, and whatever's character, you know, instead of saying the character's mm-hmm. name. And if you're the director of the movie, you can't even remember the names of the characters that you're like trying to say he created this whole new,
3: <laughs> new characters
2: that a new generation is gonna latch on to.
3: And then you can't even latch on to them.
2: <laughs> yeah. I will say I I I am a defender of his original movie Jurassic World. It it, it listen, it's not a great movie, but it's I think fun. it is like the second most entertaining Jurassic uh in the Jurassic franchise, uh, which isn't hard, as you said. Like the right. other movies are not great. But I did not like uh i enjoyed jurassic uh dress uh, world dominion because it's so stupid like do you know what i mean i enjoyed it for the wrong reasons um but, but if-
3: um, they, it, they weren't clear they were clearly trying to not be stupid even though it definitely, <laughs> definitely comes across that way um i agree with you with the first jurassic world i feel like that's was a pretty strong start. It wasn't necessarily anything like thought provoking, or it was just a fun little popcorn movie to sit down, turn off your brain, um, have a good time, or at least try to Yeah. Um, I feel like the um, I, I feel like that is kind of what Jurassic Park really embodies of course there's all these other different themes of like science and what um happens when you go too far with your explorations and stuff like that but honestly who who cares Um, (laughs) people just want to see big dinosaurs fight and i feel like the more you hone in on that the more um satisfying your movie is going to be
2: well to me like i know a lot of people like to harp on Uh, Jurassic World Dominion not being about the dinosaurs and it being about locusts which wasn't even the biggest complaint I had my biggest complaint is he spent this whole trilogy trying to get us off the island and then he just invents another island for the dinosaurs to be at that we go to so I don't know it just seems so ridiculous Um, I don't know Uh, I don't want more
3: it's getting really repetitive
2: yeah, I don't want more Jurassic World movies, although I do think what he had set up in uh, Fallen Kingdom was actually kind of interesting, like dinosaurs all over the world. That would have been cool to explore. We didn't th- get to explore that.
3: I think that um, in order to really um, like bring new life back to this franchise, you need to go all the way back to some of the original plans for the sequels and start introducing human-dinosaur hybrids. I want to see that so <laughs> you um, Colin, if you're hearing this right now, I am begging you to uh bring back the dinosaur human hybrid idea because I want to see that very badly. you i you will I can guarantee that I will buy a ticket opening night if that happens. So just wanted to put that out there. Human dinosaur hybrids, baby. Let's go.
2: You know what I would like to see them do with uh, the Jurassic franchise? Is I think what you're saying where you make smaller movies in different other genres. like So you can make your horror movie. You could Marvelize it in a, in a way, I guess. Uh, n- not in the sense of it being a cinematic universe. But, right. um, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I, I just don't... I don't know. I don't see there being a future of Jurassic... Uh, more Jurassic World sequels. I could see there being... There's definitely going to be more Jurassic movies, right? Because... Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, why would you turn off the money printing machine? You right. don't. But, um, yeah. Uh, okay, let's move on. Let's talk about uh, Marvel's Armor Wars TV TV show. This is um, when they were at Comic-Con and Kevin Feige was on stage and he, like, showed, the you know, the next uh, two phases of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Armor Wars was missing off that plan and that led a lot of people to think that maybe it had – been cut and then at D23, uh, it was mentioned that it's kind of gonna, uh, Secret Wars kind of lead into Armor Wars. So we knew that Armor Wars is still happening, but now it seems like it's happening in a much different way. Tell us about it.
3: Yes. So, um, Armor Wars is now going to be developed as a feature film. Um, it was going to start production earlier. Um, early next year, but that's a little bit more murky now, considering there's going to be some restructuring going on. Um, However, it looks like what we, the people that we know from the creative team, especially uh, screenwriter Yasir Lester, will be continuing to helm this film. He'll be um, the, he was going to be the head writer for the Armor Wars miniseries, but now he will be the screenwriter for this film. as far as we know, um, there hasn't been a ton of um, other, like um, other there. There haven't been a ton of other names like thrown into the mix in terms of like production. I don't think that there were any directors publicly announced for the miniseries, and so I don't think there's a director currently attached to the film. And I would assume that um, Don Cheadle and I believe Walton Goggins. They will still be on uh, reprising their roles from the MCU. Um, I actually think this is kind of a smart idea, and this not only because armor wars in and of itself is not that particularly long of an arc it's only seven issues or so, and I feel like a lot of the like the key points in that in that arc can um, easily be translated into a feature rather than dragging it out across like seven, eight, nine episodes. And so um, I think it'll also really help um, secret invasion because that will be that mini series is going to be tying into um, armor wars in some way, because of course um, you've got Rhodey in there playing some sort of role. Um, And so I think that having Armor Wars as its own movie will give Secret Invasion enough time to just kind of be its own thing instead of being just there to extend the storyline, the the grander storyline of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think that's a problem that um, a lot of later entries in this franchise have um, fallen into because everything just seems to exist purely to go on to the next entry. Nothing is really s- sitting by itself. And hopefully now that there'll be a little bit more time to, um, for Armor Wars to like get off the ground and um, develop and stuff like that, that it will allow Secret Invasion to kind of be by itself in a-, a little bit, be um, its own thing be appreciated as its own thing. But of course um, that this is, that's just my opinion. Yeah. Um, And so that's what I've got so far.
2: Yeah. I think you make a good point too, because there's been a lot of criticism of the Marvel TV shows as being kind of stretched too thin. Like Mm -hmm. um, Hawkeye, I think would have made a great two hour movie.
3: Oh yeah, Hawkeye was stretched way too long. That we could have had like several, uh, several plot points in that series just like cut out completely. And or, I think Hawkeye was originally going to be a movie, but they, um, but they developed began developing it as a TV show for whatever reason.
2: Yeah, and, and Moon Knight as well. I think would have been better serviced as a movie, um, mm-hmm. a, a shorter movie. It felt like they were kind of. You know, just trying to burn some fuel to get to the next episode at some point. But um, yeah, no, I am all for Armor Wars being a movie. It also means that they get a bigger budget because yeah. these Disney TV shows, I mean, even though they seem bigger than a lot of stuff on other TV, they mm-hmm. still you, you still see them suffering from the budget of it being a TV show over a movie. <laughs> yeah. So, um, mm-hmm. oh, there was another big Marvel story that hit while I was gone. And uh, this is Deadpool 3. I'll I'll set it up, and then you can tell us about it. Um, So we had heard that there was going to be this road trip movie uh, with Deadpool and Wolverine. But then Disney bought Fox, and then those plans got shelved. And then, uh, you know, we had heard that Disney was interested in actually making a third Deadpool film and that it would actually be set in the MCU. And then last week, Ryan posted a video to Twitter and what, what did the video tell us?
3: Well, if he is still to be believed, because he, we all know that Ryan Reynolds honestly just likes to pull stuff online, um, pull a little <laughs> tricks and gags. But if this is to be believed, if we're taking it as purely face value, then Hugh Jackman is going to be returning as Wolverine in Deadpool 3 in some capacity. While um, this isn't while the extent of his role wasn't um, like shown or teased or anything like that, he will be in it in some capacity, one way or another. Um, so far, it seems like he might have a big role, considering the tentative logo for Deadpool 3 is going to be a Deadpool' signature logo with a few scratch marks on it um and so that that kind of is you can kind of assume that he's going to have a major role in it but we never know I, um
2: i i take this as i don't know i i take this as more than like he's going to appear in a couple of scenes and i take this as this is a deadpool wolverine movie it, it, I, that's my reading of it but you know i could be mm-hmm. i could be wrong uh i i will say that it is weird because he begins the video saying, like, I'm sorry we couldn't make it to D23. And it seems to me that this video was made to have been played at D23 mm-hmm. two weeks ago, but they instead decided to wait and post on Twitter instead.
3: Yeah. I forgot that D23 even happened. I'm sorry. But he wouldn't
2: mention D23 for no reason, right? Like,
3: right.
2: Oh, no, that's weird. Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: But um, what's also weird is how this kind of solidifies. And of course, we all kind of knew this, um, especially now that the multiverse has been firmly established within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, But it's kind of proven that because the multiverse is now such a prominent thing in this franchise, there's not really any finality anymore. And let me explain, let me explain why. Um, as soon as I heard the news, um, or saw, as soon as I saw the video, the first thing I thought of was Logan. And um, I've already been kind of weird about um, the multiverse and its handling of um, mutants and all that since Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness where Professor X shows up and then gets promptly killed by Scarlet Witch, which that's perfectly fine on its own. But, um, what felt very weird to me personally was that he had such a rich arc in Logan um and a very poignant death that it just kind of felt a little cheap and i that was the first reaction that I had to seeing this huge Jackman news uh, was that it just felt very cheap um and it kind of undoes it <gasps> could potentially undo of some of the emotional impact. Of course it doesn't like um Of course if eh, of course it doesn't like undo his death in Logan necessarily, but that was supposed to be his major send-off to the character, uh, his version of the character and of course this could be handled in various different ways but my first instinct upon seeing this news was like okay so what happened with Logan
2: well so- didn't even the director of Logan tweet out a, a gif jeff whatever you pronounce it mm-hmm. of uh he, you know, Logan getting killed and basically as a way of being like, didn't I kill him? What's going on? And
3: then he walked back. Then yeah. he walked back in a reply saying, as ah, it's there's nothing to see here, guys. I respect everything that's going on with uh, Sean Levy, the director, <laughs> and Ryan Reynolds and stuff like that. But um, I, you also have to consider that James Mangold is right now doing post production on the new Indiana Jones movie, so um, <laughs> take that." um take his walking back with a little bit with a little grain of salt
2: yeah i will say this in, in uh well number one i agree with you that was my first reaction to uh number two i hate that in the comics because in the comics if anybody dies or anything of any stakes happens there's always a way to to change it do you know what i mean it was another mm-hmm. universe uh spider-man was a clone uh, you know, there, someone was a scroll, You know, it, it, it's maddening to me that the like it takes the stakes out of anything you want you read in, in comics, and that that kind of bothers me. Uh, so I, I don't want to see that happen to the MCU. But I will say, in defense of of this, uh, well, Ben wrote like, an article. I think
3: it is interesting. Yeah, they're going to be going with the original road trip idea. That's a really interesting. Um, segue i feel like because um of course it could like end up leading into the definitive mcu's version of wolverine or it could just be um a recontextualization of um the x-men movies before going on to this new chapter for the mutants um i'm not going to direct i'm not going to like completely write it off but i'm still i think i'm just slow processing it and what it means for um, the multiverse, the MCU, um, the um, the context in which the original movies were made, all this other stuff—it's still um, it's a bit weird. But I'm um, I'm eager to see um, what if they pull it off.
2: Yeah, we we also have to acknowledge that there is the possibility that this is not retconning things; that this isn't a multiverse. Uh, ben on the site wrote an article every way Hugh Jackman's Wolverine could return in Deadpool three. And, and one of those is acknowledging that, you know, uh, Logan takes place in the future, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, I'm, I'm not sure what year did they even say the year in the movie? I'm not even sure, but like I, this, I
3: think it was like one of those near future sort of things, but the actual, um, where like everything kind of looks the same, but like the, a couple of the technologies look different and all this other stuff. Um, So I don't think an exact year was set other than um, just like the near future.
2: Yeah. So it's possible that, you know, this takes place before Logan and this doesn't retcon the events of Logan technically, but also this takes place in the MCU. So does that mean Logan and X-Men and everything took place in the MCU, which doesn't seem likely to me? It seems like your assumption is probably more likely Mm-hmm. That this, uh, that Wolverine is from another multiverse, which also com- becomes confusing because then you got to explain that in Deadpool.
3: You also have to explain, um, uh, Namor and Miss Marvel as well because they are officially mutants in the MCU.
2: Yeah. So, what's going on there? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Oh, okay, we have one last story I want to talk about today. Uh, I know we have a lot today. We usually go 30 minutes, but we're going a little bit over time today. Uh, so we we have a director for Now You See Me 3. Aaron, tell me about that.
3: So this is going to be a name that many of you are probably going to be familiar with. And that is Ruben Fleischer. He recently directed um, the Uncharted adaptation. Um, but he's also done stuff like Venom, uh, both Zombieland movies, um, and just a bunch of other stuff that you're probably familiar with. Good uh, popcorn director popcorn good popcorn film director and so he was recently announced to be the director for now you see me three which has actually been in development since 2015 (laughs) um so what took so long it's probably so the delay has probably been because of the script The first, the initial script for the film was started at around 2015 when this news was announced Um, and it was going to be written by Eric Warren Singer. Um, However, things just kind of went silent, um, pretty dead. And so with Fleischer now on board, it was revealed that um, Singer is no longer going to be the primary um, screenwriter and that um it will be re that his initial script will be retooled by Seth Graham Smith however elements of his script will still be present in the this new version it's not going to be like a complete re- um it's not going to be a complete rewrite or anything like that yeah. what i also find pretty interesting is that we might have already have we might already have two confirmed cast members and this is because um This is due to Flaisher's statement after um, it was revealed that he had been, that he is now taking on this film. He specifically cites Jesse Eisenberg and Woody Harrelson and how he is excited to be working with them and how um, he really enjoys the two movies that have already been released in this franchise and just like overall good things. This is pretty important because. harrelson and eisenberg were with him during um both Zombieland movies and if you also count um venom for harrelson <laughs> um, you can also count that um and so honestly i'm not really big on these now you see me movies i think they're just kind of whatever. I know that there is an audience for them, especially with the somewhat pretty interesting premise. I just never felt like it. um, Personally, they never really got to the. um, It always fell short of what it could be rather than um, like taking its premise to the absolute max. Like it should be, but I am. I'm not gonna lie. I'm a little, um, I'm a little interested in this because I, like I said, uh, Fleischer is an ideal popcorn movie director. He's one of those directors who knows how to just make a good, um, a good casual watch.
2: Yeah, a, so, mo- a movie that appeals to the popcorn crowd. I, I wouldn't say most of his movies. I don't think like got. I mean, Zombieland was critically liked, I believe, but. Uh, mm-hmm. 30 Minutes or Less, Gangster Squad, Venom, uh, Zombieland, Double Tap, Uncharted. I feel like some of those movies were liked by audiences, some of them not, but most of those were critically uh, (laughs) not liked.
3: Uh, he made money
2: yeah yeah no he makes That's money and this franchise makes money this franchise made over 700 million worldwide to date uh, i will say uh as a person who is a magician an amateur <laughs> magician uh i do have strong opinions about this i will say that I, I i like the first now you see me i like uh the second one has like this cool cardistry heist thing but the rest of it's like pretty bad um magic I, what are you gonna say
3: um, I specifically pointed out the fact that he only cites Eisenberg and Harrelson in his announcement statement because I feel like this, even with two movies under the series' belt, I feel like they've already gone through um, some significant cast changes. Yeah. Um, like, for example, probably the most um, important of which was um, Isla Fisher, who um, she was going to be, she was in the first one but she ended up getting replaced by Lizzie Kaplan um, as like another character because when they were filming, she was pregnant. And so there's, and there's also like, um, I don't think Michael Caine was in the second one either. And he, his role was kind of replaced by uh, Morgan Freeman. Um, And I feel like um, maybe they're just like trying to get the gang back together on this front, but I'm going to, I'm curious to see if the original, like, the core original people are going to be returning to this movie, especially since he only, um, like only cites Harrelson and Eisenberg.
2: Um, yeah. I mean, that, that, to- that's very yeah. possible. I, I, I do think you need a female cast member there. I think, um, a big, uh, percentage of the audience for these movies is not just male, Mm-hmm. Um, so they they want to see themselves re- represented in, in the main cast, uh. But yeah, you'd probably have to replace another character to do that because I don't see them coming back. Uh, I will say this, okay. Uh, oh, I've heard a lot of criticism of these movies. Uh, that people don't like the CG and how they use CG for the magic, and they wish it was more practical. I I think that's the least of uh these movies' worries, but it is a problem. And I was thinking, well, first of all. The, uh, uh, magic is hard to do in movies because, um, if someone's like trying to escape someone and use magic to escape, like magic is all about me spending way too much time to practice and create a thing so that you won't know how, you know, how it works. And you can't just like, you can't impromptu to magic. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it's mm-hmm. something that like has to have been spent like way too much time has had been spent on creating it. So it's not something you could just like pull out of your pockets and do something in like uh, an escape scene. So it's hard to do in movies. But I would say I think for me the pitch for this would be can you Tom Cruise it? And by that I mean could they make a Now You See Me movie where the pitch is that all the magic you see in the movie – is this grand spectacle, amazing stuff, but it's all real, no camera tricks, no CG, you know, it's the actors either doing it or, you know, maybe stunt doubles or or, or whatever, but it's, you know, presented in a way that's spectacle of like, oh, this is really happening. Maybe, maybe that would bring more people in.
3: (laughs) I think, I think that is a real possibility, especially with the gap in between, um, these movies Uh, like the last one was made was released in 2016 and it's 2022 now it's going to be it's probably not no offense the series is probably kind of forgotten in most people's like immediate um minds
2: i feel like if we were living in like the non-streaming world this would be like a movie that i'd play on tnt and you know dads would watch it in the background (laughs) (laughs) right but like does anybody pull up now you see me on streaming these days i don't know
3: probably someone just to like (laughs) just to have something on but i don't personally i'm not gonna be the type of person who's like hmm i don't know what to watch today i think i'm gonna watch now you see me (laughs) i I, if if you're that person more power to you but i've never encountered somebody that i would think would do that
2: yeah, um, yeah. I think to get me excited, you would have to Tom Cruise it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's basically, what I'm saying. And I think there's could, could be some fun things to do, like where you're using the perspective of the camera, like you know, a trick that would never work in front of an audience. That's mm-hmm. literally just like played from the perspective of the camera, is to amaze people and be like, how the heck did they do that? And maybe even expose it, and you know, then. You know you later find out how things work and stuff but anyways okay i think we've talked too long about now you see me three <laughs> uh you can find more of all of our work at slash com. you can find this podcast on apple google overcast spotify all the popular podcast apps please feel free to send your feedback questions comments concerns to us at peter at slash one.com and please rate and view this podcast on apple Podcasts. tell your friends spread the word and we'll see you tomorrow this
1: is the story of the one